Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. What's up, podcast fam? Happy Monday. Hope you all had an amazing weekend. Today, my guest is Jordan West. Jordan is an entrepreneur. Today, runs a successful marketing agency in Mindful Marketing Co., helping companies grow via e-commerce, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, etc. Also has several of his own e-commerce brands that he operates himself, and they all are doing multi-million dollars a year. I found Jordan via LinkedIn, and what stuck out to me was that at 23, he decided to buy a Taco Del Mar, the equivalent of a Subway, but in Tex-Mex. And on his first day of buying it, at around 2 p.m., he realized he made a huge mistake. But one another five years of running, growing, and operating this business, ultimately, it didn't work out. Tons of lessons in it, and still decided to stay the course in building his own business and building his dream life. So with that, enjoy this episode. Jordan, super pumped to have you on. And yeah, I was browsing LinkedIn, came across your profile, and really excited to be chatting with you today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is great. (laughs) So when I came across your LinkedIn, first of all, you have a fantastic about. A lot of people, I feel, waste that precious space. But So you're 23 years old, decided to buy a Taco Del Mar. And as you wrote, I knew I had made a huge mistake at 2 p.m. when only three customers had walked in, and two of them were my parents. I like how you put ha-ha at the end. <laughs> Take me back to the beginning of your journey, whether it be there or even... Let's go back before then. How do you end up even having the interest to buy? And I'm not even familiar. I'm assuming Taco Del Mar is like a, just a local restaurant. Take me back. Yeah, 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 yeah. So for, for anybody wondering, Taco Del Mar was a chain Tex-Mex restaurant. So we were actually owned by Subway. It was one of Subway's brands, mostly a West Coast sort of vibe. So I'll, I'll take you back even before that. So because I was 23 years old when I when I bought that store. Great, you know, early, 20, early 20s investment. I was actually a paramedic at the time. And I was thinking to myself, man, I didn't really want to go to business school per se. I just wasn't a big like school guy. I'm like, what is school going to tell me that I can't just learn going through business, right? So I searched on Craigslist and I was like, okay, I want to find a business. My family always had businesses. We had like a mill and they just didn't want family involved in it. I'm like, come on, like, I could be great running this mill. Like, no, 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 we don't want family involved. Okay, okay, whatever. So I looked on Craigslist, and I found this Taco Del Mar restaurant for sale for $35,000. I'm like, okay, sweet, I can do that. So I like, got all the money that I had together at the time when I was 23. I took out a line of credit, and I bought the store. I'm like, okay, what's the worst case scenario? I'm going to lose $35,000. And uh, I mean, it was a lot worse than that. (laughs) It was... (laughs) It was just hours upon hours. So like I would go from a night shift as a paramedic up the entire night helping people. And then I would come in like bleary eyed and help with school orders. I had like all my staff were under 20, not a ton of responsibility. 
I had this for five years. I probably ended up losing about $150,000 that I did not have. I just didn't have that money to lose. We owned an apartment at the time, my wife and I, and it was just, it was so ridiculously hard. You know, people ask me like, oh, would you do it again? Like, maybe. I think that's why I've been so successful now is is seeing that and also had the empathy for other business owners Mm. of knowing like how hard it is to make money when you have a business that is just sort of destined to fail. <laughs> like with this one, it wouldn't, we, you know, we ran the numbers. It was like, we would have had to quadruple our sales to just break even. Let's go backwards <laughs> for a second. So, so you're a paramedic. Did you go to college? Yeah. So it's a, it's, it's like a, um, it's not a degree. It's more like a certificate or a diploma, like a two year equivalent. Okay. And so you decided you wanted to go into the restaurant business and I'm just curious. So your family's in business. Any, did you have any friends or family tell you like the restaurant business is a tough business? You know, like oh, everybody, I mean, oh, everyone everybody. told you, everybody, everyone's like, are, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I just want to learn. Like, you know, like worst case, I'm just going to lose 35,000, right? Without thinking like of everything, like losing money beyond that, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so you're buying into a franchise basically. Yes, yes exactly. So I had to go down to Seattle. Uh, that's where their headquarters are and work. And we would do all the training there. So I learned, you know, everything that they could teach us about owning a franchise restaurant. It was a really good time. I still look back on that with like really fond memories. How long was the training for? I think it was a week long. What would you say, if you remember, like what's like your biggest takeaway or biggest lesson from that experience? That's a good question. Like I look back on that time and I think about discounting, right? That was one of the things that they would, you know, teach us is like good ways to discount versus bad ways to discount. So I think they had this this rule, the rule of 100. So if it's if the dollar value is below $100, right? So if you're going to give a discount, give that as a percentage amount if it's under $100, the final price. So percentage discounts look a lot bigger than dollar discounts. So whatever that number is, if it looks bigger, use that discount. <laughs> Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Good marketing tactic there. So it's almost like you had like an alternative to going to business school. You just dove in and basically bought into a business and were sort of forced to to learn business, right? Everything, right? Negotiations. That was a big thing at the end of, of all of this. This guy just like, he ended up buying the store from me for 25000 Negotiations were terrible. I was just like, like, let him know like everything you know, that I was going through and how tough it was. I had my first kid at the time. It was just like so much stress. I'm like, oh man, like this is a huge, a huge thing. You know, you're going to do well with the store. He already owned another store. And uh, it was basically like he got the store for free from me after all that work that I put in. (laughs) So I like, I learned so, there was just so many things, managing staff, firing people. I had to fire so many people during that time. So do you really know at 2 p.m. like the first day that you made a mistake? Like how, I how did. soon did you? I did. Did you... I knew I was like, Oh my gosh, what have I done? Like this, that, like it's a lunch restaurant and no one was coming in yet. There was like, like hundreds of people going next door to subway. We, we shared a wall with subway. I'm like, Oh no, this, there must just be so much bad blood towards this taco nomar. So I just went out and asked people, I'm like, Hey, like, why aren't you coming in here? And they're like, Oh, we hated the, the previous owner. Like they were so rude. And I learned a lot about customer feedback during that time. This is 2011. So it was like kind of the start of Facebook too, right? Like, or like the start of like really leveraging Facebook. So learned a ton there as well. Like there was just, there's so many learning, so many learnings throughout that, that I, I'm sure I wouldn't be where I am without it. That's what I like to tell myself. (laughs) 
Yeah. So it's interesting that, you know, you bring that up because I speak to a lot of people who are in their 20s and a lot of people like fresh out of school. I find it's typically like goes one of two ways. The person's talks as if they're certain that they know exactly what they want in this world and what they want to do. And they have a full life plan, yet they have no experience or they go the other route where they have absolutely no idea what they want to do. But it's definitely interesting to hear from someone who jumped right in, took a chance, tried to start a business and or bought into a business that on paper maybe seemed like it could work. Like I'm sure you have an interesting perspective given that experience and that it shaped you to where you are today. Yeah, I think I've got a lean towards action, right? So, you know, I brought in, we're making a couple of acquisitions right now. There's three or four kind of on the go right now. And I brought in an external advisor and he basically was like, are you sure you want to do that? Like maybe you shouldn't. And like all the numbers and everything makes sense. Like there's, there's no arguing there like that they'll be profitable, but he's just like more of a lean towards safety. And for me, I just have this lean towards action. And I'm like, well, I still probably would have done it. You know, knowing what I knew at the time, which was nothing to Mm. now where I think I know a little bit about business back then I would have done it again because I just wanted to get my feet wet (laughs) and figure out how this whole business world worked. And I think I've kind of figured it out a little bit, but I'm still, I'm still not quite all the way there. Yeah. So before we jump into what you're doing today and your business today, so how long were you trying to build and grow Taco Del Mar? So I'll let you know one thing. We actually tripled the sales. So hmm. it's not like it was, we didn't do anything with the store, right? So we, we over five years, tripled the sales. Um, so you were there for five lots. years. Five years, yeah. So it sounds like you knew pretty early that you made a mistake, but you were committed to giving it a fair shot and seeing what you could you know, make, make happen. Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't know how to, like comparatively to now, we get financials, like from like the businesses we're acquiring, this is sort of the difference is like, I get financials, I get my CFO to build a model out, and I can tell you in three years in June how much money I'm going to make, right? With like, we just know so much more. We use data properly. Whereas then I had no clue. I like look look over the financial statement. I'm like, okay, all right, looks good. (laughs) Like I had no, no clue what I was looking at. Like learning to read a financial statement and then make projections from there is an incredible skill for people, you know, looking to start and buy businesses. Like it's, it's, it's kind of an essential, right? Otherwise you're just going to like, maybe get lucky. Absolutely. So in those five years, I guess you tripled the revenue. What was the tipping point when you decided to, to say, Hey, I'm going to sell it. It was when our lease was coming up. So I knew that I would have had to sign another five-year lease. I was already bouncing checks to the landlord. Like it was bad. She's like, are you sure you want to sign another five-year lease? I'm like, no, I don't think I do. (laughs) (laughs) So that would have been just giving like selling all the equipment basically. And then luckily head office had a buyer for me and I thought they'd come in at, you know, maybe like a hundred grand. I could pay off some of my debt, but no, they came in at 25,000. So it was definitely a low point. Yeah. So you just committed five years of your life to this. It sounds like you did a phenomenal job at tripling the revenue, but the operation wasn't profitable or you weren't, you weren't making any money at the end of every year. Yeah. So like, if you think about like a food business, right? A well-run food business should have 30% food cost. Let's just say at the end of the day, there's, you know, 20% left over in like an average business. I don't know if that if that's possible in that realm. I know in e-com, we're maybe even a little bit more profitable than that. But let's just say there's 20% left over. Well, our food cost was not 30%, it was 40%. Okay, mm. so there's 10, 10% right there that's taken away, plus 
they charged, the franchise charged 12% for their franchise fees to just be a part of it. So there's 22% yeah. that basically eats up all of the potential profit. Our lease was like six grand a month. It was just like, there was just so much not going for us in that business. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Well, it's funny because you talk about how maybe earlier on or at the beginning, you just read through the financial statement, you're like, very good. And now, obviously, you're talking about numbers, data, and the mechanics to make sure the operation would actually work. So sounds like through that experience, you learned a thing or two about business ops and things and whatnot. I think I did. Somebody came to me the other day and was asking about buying a franchise and they were showing me some of the numbers and it was a food franchise. And I was just like, I don't care. I wouldn't do it. I just (laughs) wouldn't do it. I have another good friend who was part of a franchise and he bought himself out of the franchise. And he told me, don't know what I think of it, but he told me that when you buy into a franchise, you're never the one who's supposed to make the money. The franchisor is the one who always makes the money. Yes, yes, exactly. And and like that being said, I would potentially buy a whole franchise, right? Mm. Those seem to, to be great. But the problem is you're using, you know, these owners as your labor, right? To be able to accomplish what you want to do. Yeah, I, th- I think you're I think you're right on there. So how old were you? You were like 20, 28, 29 when you when you sold the business? Yeah, yeah, right around there. So and we had our first child at the time. Got it. So you just you spent like five years building this thing, you triple the sales, the operation isn't successful from like a business standpoint. How do you navigate that? Yeah, I mean, it was really, really difficult. I had started at that point, actually, and this is something I hardly ever talk about on podcasts, but I had started to try out Shopify drop shipping hoverboards. So that was when hoverboards were all the rage. And I was like, huh, I think I can do this. So we we were also starting to build our clothing company at the time, my wife and I. And that was just like a, this little side thing where like my wife is making leggings for babies and it was a like just the startings of like a little business where she'd go to craft markets, craft markets were still big at that time. And, you know, she'd make a little bit of extra income. I was trying out Shopify and Google ads, and I hadn't even touched Facebook yet at the time. And I was like, okay, I I think and I was still a full time paramedic. So I had an income, but uh, it was difficult. It was really difficult. But I pivoted pretty fast into kind of what has become our our businesses now. Mm. What exactly is the business today? So back in, I believe that was 2015, we started to go hard on clothes, on clothing. So my wife is a fashion designer. You know, we were selling these leggings just at markets. And I asked her, I'm like, hey, like, should we put these online? So we put them on Etsy first, started there. And then we moved it over to a Shopify store. Luckily, we went with Shopify at the time. I'm so glad I didn't have to migrate at some point, but we just Mm -hmm. happened to pick Shopify. I probably should have put like all the money we invested just into Shopify stock. (laughs) Because <laughs> that would have that would have probably even outperformed what we've done in our businesses. <laughs> but next time, that's what I would have done is just taken ten grand, put it into Shopify <laughs> stock, and then and then seeing what what would have happened eventually. <laughs> yeah, would have would have grown substantially. Oh, I'm sure. I think I like. I think ten grand would have grown to like two million dollars or something. Like it was. Yeah, Shopify had a meteoric rise over those years. So yeah, so we started selling online and we were using home sewers. So we would cut clothing in our garage. So we'd like have these big stacks of clothing, be cutting clothing in our garage. There was one point after a night shift that I woke up and my wife was screaming because she'd cut part of her finger off with the big fabric cutter. <laughs> oh man. Oh my God. Yeah. So that was, uh, that was some of those moments. And then we finally, I asked her, I'm like, hey, can I start like trying out Facebook ads? I've heard they're good. This is like 2016 or something. 
I look back on those times in 2016 and we did have tracking luckily installed. I mean, I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing about Facebook ads. I didn't know what a Facebook pixel was. I was just lucky that somehow this stuff got installed. I don't even remember how. And I look back on those times and our return on ad spend. So for every dollar in, we got $72 out at that time. Mm, 72 return on ad spend. Just (laughs) absolutely crazy the kind of results we could get back then on Facebook ads. And that's when we knew we're like, I think that this is going to be a real business. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you still a paramedic? So we just had our third child and I was on parental. I was, yeah, thanks. I was on parental leave for a year and a half from that because we, that's what we get in uh, the Socialist uh, Republic of Canada here. So I was technically off for for a year and a half. And then I went back and I was still just part time. So I could work like once every three months. And I was like, ah, this is fun. I went back for one shift and about a month and a half ago. And I I think I'm finally going to give it up after 12 years. So, oh, wow. So you always had, so you always had that income, et cetera. You had some, like when you were building the the taco restaurant, did you have, you had some level of security or from a financial standpoint? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I had my full-time wage, which was good, but it was like lots of that just being pumped back into the business. Putting it into the, yeah, that makes sense. So I guess just before we get into, you know, you building, you know, you building the, the clothing business with your wife, I mean, from a mental standpoint, like, I just want to dive a little bit into the the time after those five years of building the taco restaurant from when you sold it. Did you wake up the next day and you were like, just back to the drawing board, let's see what I can shake up here with my wife in this business? Or did you ever get to a point where you're just like, mm, maybe business isn't for me? I can sense in your your spirit that you just sort of were just like, I'm just going to keep trying things. And I'm curious if that's accurate or or how you nav- like how you felt around that. Totally. I think that people that that know me really well would probably say I'm uncomfortably positive because I just kept going, right? I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just move on to the next thing. I don't think I actually really ever let that sort of like trauma of business set in (laughs) and how ridiculously difficult that was and not knowing whether there'd be money to pay any of the bills. No, I didn't let it set in at all. Like it's still, it's still as though like I just had my head in the sand basically of like, okay, that's fine. There's just some debt sitting there. Luckily I had access to it and now I can move on. I'm just not good at that kind of stuff. Like as far as I'm a huge um, Clifton Strengths believer, absolutely love Strengths Finders. We use it in all of our businesses. My strengths, as far as they're in their quadrants, I have zero executing strengths whatsoever. And I have zero strategic strengths. It's all influencing and relational. And so for me, when I can stay in that area and have other people deal with the strategy, like the really like big level or like, actually the big level strategy I'm pretty good at, but that low level, minute sort of financial stuff, I am in my happy place. And I think that's why I was able to get out of it because I didn't actually know how bad it was until after. Mm. It sounds like you just function and operate in like a state of super positivity. Like what could, what could be bad? Life's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, I think it drives people crazy sometimes. Right. Cause like, I'm just not a realist. Like when I look at things is I, I'm not a realist. I, I will always bend towards positivity. Mm. And I think that it has been part of the reason why I've been able to be so successful. But uh, sometimes I need to really be self-aware and be like, Hey, you know what? Maybe right now is not the time to be positive. <laughs> would you say is that a muscle that someone can can learn or someone can learn to flex or get better at how can someone learn to become more positive because a lot of people never even try 
to start. They might have an idea, but they never try to start the business because their mind goes to all the negative places. What if it doesn't work out? What if we go for six months and I lose my money? You know, I think it's very easy for people's minds to jump to the worst place. And it sounds like your mind jumps to the best place, almost like this dreaming mentality where we can do this. Not only can we do it, we can do it great and we can build it a, an amazing business and sort of this why not mentality. Do you think that's something that could be learned? And if so, how can people learn to flex that muscle a little bit more? I think that it can be learned to a point, but positivity in general is so as far as Clifton strengths is concerned, positivity is is actually one of the strengths, uh, one of the 35 strengths. It's that defined for them. So I think that people are born with it, right? Like, you know, having three kids now, like I can see that my kids are born with certain traits, right? Mm. That they are just like, I think it's like a nature nurture 50% of each, but like, they are naturally good at certain things. I am naturally good at being positive. My wife is naturally not. <laughs> and I don't know if she'll ever learn that even being around me, right? Like, I don't know if if that's something that can be trained. I know that gratitude and and thankfulness, like that is a huge part of being positive, right? Is like continually like remembering all of these things that that you don't deserve, right? That are just kind of given to you. Like for me, like the fact that I was born in Canada being white, being like raised in a good family. Like I have all of these things that I've got going for me that sort of allow me to have this positive bent on life. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm in a similar boat and like, I am just relentlessly positive. I mean, it is, I think when it comes to business, I'm like a ping pong ball and I go back and forth between trying to take calculated risk, but it's very easy for me to look at an opportunity and say, oh, why not? You know, like, why Why can't I do this successfully? Why Why not me, et cetera? But there's a lot of people I know who, you know, they'll, instead of seeing like all the opportunity, they'll think of all the reasons why it won't work, why it can't work, why it shouldn't work, why they'll fail, et cetera. It's a really good person to have in your life yeah. for me. Like, I love having that person that I can hear all those things and still be like, I don't know. I'm still going to do it. <laughs> like I see, but I like, I'll make sure to look out for those things because that doesn't just because there's some risks doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Right. Like there's risks in everything. If, if there's no risks, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be successful business people because they would have just not taken any risks and you don't really get anywhere without that. Yeah, absolutely. So you and your wife start the clothing business. At what point does it go from like more a mom and pop business to what it is today? Yeah. I think that there was a big shift when so first of all we were in our house with all the inventory right so we had like just inventory stacked everywhere you could see for us when we actually got a physical location and started to really realize how we could grow i think that's when things really started to take off and we're like whoa we can really do this and then we started to just invest like you know twenty thousand a month thirty thousand fifty thousand in facebook ads realizing that it's like wow this is actually like a money printing machine now right? Like as long as we have, you know, we continue to serve our customer, continue to like live, you know, within our core values. So that was probably 2018 when, when things really started to take off and we're like, whoa, this is like a legitimate business. At that point, my wife and I were working together in the business and it wasn't working awesome for the two of us to, to you know, be co-running that company. So I was really good on the marketing side. People were always getting me to come do consulting on their marketing. And so I was like, uh, maybe I'll start a marketing agency. Like most agencies probably start, you know, they're like, you're good at this one little skill set. 
And so I brought a business partner in there because I'd learned from Taco Del Mar that I needed a partner, right? I needed somebody to compliment me. Um, him and I are literally just like complete opposites. It works so well. So we started that company together, Mindful Marketing, and uh, serving e-commerce brands. And we've grown that from, you know, just the two of us to I think we're 15 employees there now. So it's been this great kind of vertically integrated business that kind of runs alongside of our clothing companies um, and allows us to do a lot more than just run those companies. So we're looking at other acquisitions and, you know, it's it's really building a, a whole sort of system around e-com right now. Got it. And so today, basically, you have the agency, you help companies, you know, better target their customers through Facebook, Google ads, et cetera, and marketing strategy. And then you have your own e-commerce brands as well. That's right. Yes. Yes. So yeah. So we've got those those two alongside. We're going to be bringing manufacturing in house this uh, this year as well. Um, so that's going to be a big uh, big fun thing. We've been manufacturing in Canada the entire time. Yeah. So that'll be a, a, another whole can of worms that people are telling me not to do. So you know what? I got money to waste. So it's fine. If we make a mistake, <laughs> it's not the end of the world. <laughs> I love it. How? What would be your advice to like someone that's in their twenties or just getting out of school? I guess that's tinkering with where to take their life, et cetera. I mean, some people, again, have those ideas that they're like, yeah, I could go and pursue it. I can get a job. What would be your advice? I feel like you'd have an interesting take on that. I love your mindset of just like, I'm going to dive in head first and see sort of what comes of this. Then I'll go from there. Totally. I mean, I don't recommend that for everyone. I don't think that every personality type can do that. What I would recommend is be becoming self-aware, right? In your 20s, I look at myself in my early 20s. I'm like, I did not know myself at all. I didn't really know what I was good at. I just kind of was like, oh, I'm just going to make the, these decisions. I'm going to go be a paramedic. Uh, I'm going to do this. So what I'd really recommend is like a lot of self-discovery, right? So taking things really seriously, like strengths finders, like, you know, other personality typing tools, I find those are incredible for starting to get to know yourself, right? And having a lens and a shared language. So like Enneagram is another great one, um, just to be able to see yourself a little bit more rather than see the reflection of yourself on others, right? It's really good to get to know yourself before you make any of these big decisions. But I think that a bend towards action will always win in the end. Yeah, I love that. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, that's that's sort of what I was saying more at the beginning. I think it's interesting that I find a lot of people fresh out of school either have no clue I think that's almost should be encouraged because I actually think a lot of people who think they have a clue are not really quite sure. You know, they have a lot of maybe like prejudgment that they've made around their life or a plan based on other people's influence. Oh, you know, their parent is in some field and they're like, ah, oh, that sounds great. I'm going to go and pursue that. But they have no actual experience doing that. And then they get there and they're like, shit, this isn't really what I want to do at all. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. Uh, one of my best friends is a doctor and he said, saw that in med school, right? So many of these people wanting to become a doctor and it's like, you're not good at helping people. That's not your like, not everyone is naturally a good helper and a good person to care. Just because you can make 500 grand a year doesn't mean you should go do it, right? Yeah. There's a lot easier ways to make $500,000 a year than going to medical school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I, I put a lot of emphasis around finding both what you're good at and what you like, you know, what you love doing. It sounds like you found that in marketing and it sounds like... When you were at the restaurant, you started to develop that passion for for marketing. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I think business in general. I just think that marketing is the best tool to grow a business, right? Yeah. <laughs> Without marketing, like you can have all the systems that you want, you can have the best product in the world. If you can't get it out there, 
it doesn't really matter, right? So that's why I love marketing, why I'm still obsessed with marketing, why I have this marketing agency that does all of these things. Because without that, you know, the best problem in the world to have is a supply issue because your marketing is so good, right? Yeah. That's when I know that we're that we're doing well is like, oh man, we're sold out of so many items. Awesome. Right? Like <laughs> I, I wish that we could keep up with supply. That that would be good. And that's kind of where, you know, your expertise come in. But like if you can't sell anything, you're not going to be successful. That's just plain the truth, right? Um, so yeah. learn selling, learn marketing. If you can do those things, you can create the ship as or the the airplane sort of as you go. But without marketing, you're not going to be able to create anything. Yeah, absolutely. Would you ever go back into the restaurant business, or do you see a future never, where you're back never, in that? Never, never. <laughs> Why? Just really difficult. One of my best friends owns a, a pretty popular cafe in town here. And I think that's a different beast, right? They've done really well. They're super profitable. They have tons of people coming in all the time. They started a restaurant and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going to happen here. And it was about a year. Luckily, somebody came and bought it, Mm. but it was just another horrible experience for them. If you're going to start a restaurant, think of it as you're doing social good, right? You're creating a meeting place for people. Awesome. I mean, there's, there's restaurateurs who have done incredible over the years. But I think that they're more the anomaly. Yeah. The idea of a restaurant just in my head stresses me out because I think of like from an inventory standpoint, your inventory, typically you have a lot of waste, got to sell whatever your food that you're selling. You need to sell a lot of food to cover all your overhead before you put any money in your pocket. Think about it with physical product stores versus this. At our clothing company, we have zero waste, right? We yeah. create sales to then sell whatever we haven't sold. If that, then we've got mechanisms in North America where we can donate products and get a portion of that back in taxes, right? Like, whereas with food, you can't do that, right? And we probably have, it's got to be about 20 to 25% food waste. It's been interesting to see some of these newer brands pop up that are doing, whether it be like frozen food delivery, like meat, fish, et cetera, or like baked goods, et cetera. I've connected with a lot of brands recently that are in that category or space. And like some of the people that I've connected with are super passionate about food, are having immense success, leveraging marketing, Facebook ads, Google ads, whatnot, but obviously have no interest in opening up a restaurant, et cetera. Yeah. 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 Especially now, like during COVID, right? Being in that, it's the worst possible time to be in the restaurant industry. I have so much empathy right now for those restaurant owners that are going through what they're going through right now. Yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you've built, you know, an incredible business, an incredible life. So are you and your wife still involved on like a day to day basis with your work? Yeah, so I'm the CEO of Mindful Marketing, the e commerce agency. So really, what that means for me is that that's just setting direction, right? So I I come on podcasts like this, I run a podcast called Secrets to Scaling Your E Commerce Brand. And it's really about making those connections. My wife is a CEO over at the clothing companies. And same sort of idea for her. It's a lot of just big time dreaming. And then we've got employees and good, really good management over there. So she's only in two days a week in the actual location at our warehouse. And then the rest is just finding good people. That is what we do is I, you know, I'm looking at these two new businesses that we're kind of 99% there acquiring. And for me, it's not thinking about like, oh, what kind of systems can I implement? It's like, no, who can I get? Right. I'm always thinking about like, how I can leverage other people who are amazing at skills that I'm not. 
So that's mm. really what, what we do right now is find people, put them in these positions of power that maybe they haven't had before and help them get to, I love giving equity in companies away too, for people sticking around. Cause I think that's really powerful, right? To, to let them be a part of what you're doing. So that's another big thing that I love to do is find somebody who's incredible at something, hire them and then, and then give them a little bit of equity. Yeah. Keep them incentivized and make it, make it their own. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, been really interesting to hear your story the last 30 minutes or so. We could start to wrap up this episode. With that, the last question I like to ask all my guests, a little more broad, not so specific on business, but in terms of just building a life you love, what would be your advice to someone on how to build your dream life? I would say look at your calendar, right? Block your calendar off for the things that you love to do. Time blocking is just it's so important for me. I love mountain biking, love hanging out with my kids. I love walking my kids to school. So I just block that time off. I'm only mm. available for four hours throughout the day and that's it. Right. So think about that minimum time that you need to spend working, like build your work around your life, not your life around your work. Right. Mm. Like we've got it so, so wrong in our society. Right. And then just don't stop doing those things that you love just because you feel like you got to work to get what at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> what do I need to do? Buy another three or four houses right now? Like, besides it, it, unless they're investments, in which case. Yeah, yeah. Then, then it might make sense. Well, love it. Well, Jordan, where can uh, people get a hold of you or learn more about your businesses? Yeah, totally. So you can follow me on LinkedIn uh, or connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, so just search Jordan West Marketer. I am active. I think I've posted every day of 2021 so far there. All about e-commerce, growing e-commerce stores there. So yeah, uh, on LinkedIn, that'd be great. And then if you want to learn more about our marketing uh, company and how we help e-commerce stores, you can just go to mindfulmarketing.co. Awesome. Well, Jordan, have an awesome rest of your day. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Bits of Gold Podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, Share it with a friend, subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It will mean the world. New episode dropping this Monday. Hope you all have an amazing, amazing week. Enjoy. I love your podcast. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.